everybody, welcome back to Draco's Den, and we are going to get into some wrestling reviews this coming week. So to prepare myself a little bit for this, I'm going to go ahead and review NXT from this week, because I have not actually watched NXT directly, and I, I have no idea. It was before I did the AEW reviews, but it's it's been quite a while. So, I, did, I proposed to someone that I would do reviews of SummerSlam and TakeOver, um, if they would perhaps join on the podcast. We'll see what that person says. Either way, I think I'll just do the reviews anyway, because if I've shit all over AEW, I might as well do a little bit on WWE, or at least give a more honest opinion on it. So... I'm going to start with this week's episode of NXT, and then I'm going to work my way up from there. Um, and so this show will just be about NXT. And then when this is done, you know, this weekend, I will go ahead and review SummerSlam and TakeOver, because why the fuck not? Why, why not uh, see if... Any of this will help a lapsed fan want to watch again. Alright, so let's go ahead and, and get into this review, and I'll try not to make it too long. Okay, so the first match um, is Ilya Dragunov versus Roderick Strong. I'm going to both praise and bury this. So, I've heard about Ilya Dragunov, and I've seen some clips, and I've definitely seen you know the match with him and uh walter so the kids is really damn good not very big but still really good and as i've watched this match something that stands out to me with him is how he's really good but doesn't make everything look so perfect that it looks as staged as a lot of the shit across the companies do nowadays I'm watching the way he suplexes people and he actually makes it look like a struggle. Clearly, you know, he has the strength to suplex quite a bit of them. Uh, if he can fucking suplex Walter, he can suplex pretty much anybody on the roster just about. Um, and Roger Strong is not a bad worker. This match was really good. It even got some unintentional blood in it, which really kind of adds to it. But here's my problem with this match. Isn't Roger Stone supposed to be leading a new stable, the Diamond Mine, who are around ringside with him and have, even in this match, you know, stepped in here and there to try and help him get an edge? And all of that just for him to lose. And he's been doing quite a bit of that. So, it's kind of like, I mean, y'all split up the Undisputed Era, which is where Roddy really seemed to come into himself and figure out that he had a fucking personality in addition to in-ring talent. And then you, so you split him up from them, you make him form his own group, and then he goes back to losing? I know Roderick Strong is a bit older, and I've heard the rumors about supposedly... 
the rebranding or, you know, redesign or whatever the hell of NXT, which I don't entirely believe and I won't believe until I see it. But um, I, I'm just a little curious. Like, yes, Ilya needed a win going into the title match, a takeover against Walter. But did it have to come at the expense of Roderick Strong? Was there no one else on the roster you could have beaten? And since, you know, Roger Strong's match was supposed to be for their cruiserweight title of all fucking belts, by the way. Which, I mean, granted, he's a cruiserweight. But do you really want to get saddled with that damn cruiserweight belt? So he couldn't have his match because Kushida wasn't there, wasn't clear to compete, whatever the hell. So they gave them this match, but this does not make sense. Both of these people really needed a win. Now, who the hell believes that Roger Strong is going to beat Kushida? And if he does beat him when he finally gets the title match, doesn't that make Kushida look a little stupid? So while the match itself was a great wrestling match, and I really like Ilya Dragunov, and I'm looking forward to seeing him take on Walter for that UK title, I still think the match should not have taken place. They should have found... If Roger couldn't get his Cruiserweight title match, you could have moved anybody else into this spot to give Ilya a win. There's plenty of people on the NXT roster that can work and make the kid look good that won't be hurt by a loss. Roger Strong was hurt by this loss. So, but the match itself, can't really get mad at. Wasn't anything wrong with it. I didn't see where exactly Ilya got busted open, but... Again, it kind of added to the hard-hitting nature of the match, and shit happens. The next couple of segments here are quick to review. So first, you got a video package highlighting Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole's upcoming match and their feud and all that, and that's great. The packages for WWE are never, you know, shittily done. No complaints on that one. But then we go into this hit row versus whatever the fuck the Latino stable is from the guy that held the t- the cruiserweight title for a while that nobody fucking cares about. So it's a stable feud. And that's great and all. Except who the fuck cares about either of these stables? Hit row. Really? And and they're one of them. The head one, Swerve. That's his name. Is supposed to be a rapper. Um, and I'm not going to say that there should never be another rapper gimmick in wrestling. But you should be good enough to make us give a shit. Then I'm looking at this and I'm trying to understand who the fuck in this stable war of job guys is supposed to be the baby face and who the fuck is supposed to be the heel because hit row was heel getting the damn while they were, you know, swerve was trying to get the damn belt off of Bronson Reed, who thankfully got fired. And I don't give a shit about. And if that just offended you, I still don't give a shit. I, honestly, like y'all got all up in a row over NXT's releasings and it really wasn't that big a deal. I'll talk about that later, but, and I'm just, I just wanted to know why the fuck I was supposed to give a, why I was supposed to give a fuck about any of that segment, because I don't. 
So, you know, this should make some of y'all happy because I'm going to criti- I'm criticizing them here, rightfully so, because who gives a flug- flying fucking shit? And I watched Isaiah Scott's, you know, swerve or whatever when he was in MLW under whatever the fuck his name used to be. And he was decent then. And over there, let's examine his placing. Over there, he was a world champion. You know, granted, this was before MLW got their actual TV deal. They were just doing the YouTube shit, but MLW had some really good shows. Now, he's come here, and he struggled. He couldn't get the Cruiserweight title. He had to get a, get a faction of two other guys and a girl in order to finally get the North American title. And now he's feuding with a former Cruiserweight champion whose name I can't fucking remember because I don't give a shit enough to try. And it, it's a faction warfare. There's a title involved, but I have no fucks to give. I, I just have no fucks to give at all. Um, after this was a, a promo with Walter and his group just hyping up their uh, his upcoming match, and I'm cool and okay with all that. You know, nothing to complain about. But the hit roll and and whatever the fuck they other faction's name is just was ridiculous to me all right the next segment was another one that i can't honestly say that i give a flying fuck about so we have a match cameron grimes against some big guy whose name i missed and didn't give a shit to go back and figure out uh because all of this is just build up to um Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight, the former Eli Drake, facing off again for the million-dollar title, and I got a little bit of a rant on this one. I hate the million-dollar title every fucking time it's brought back. You know, it, it worked for Ted DiBiase, you know, when he originally did it because he couldn't buy the world title, but it only worked for a little while, and then it got stupid. So, ultimately, the million-dollar title is as worthless in NXT as the FTW title is over on AEW. I've hated it every time the million-dollar title has found its way back. And LA Knight, the former Eli Drake, was in the NWA before the pandemic... And obviously NXT is the bigger show at this point, and I can rant about the NWA again later too. But Eli Drake, LA Knight, whatever fuck he's you want to call him, has talent. He has the right look. He's great as as far as a promo. He can work in the ring. Now, yes, I know the only world title he ever won was fucking Impact and Granted, he also won it back when that title meant a little bit more than what it means now. I don't want to see L.A. Knight feuding with Cameron Grimes, who was a low mid-card act at best. You know, something, and it's not that he can't work, it's just that he's that guy that you put on the card, he can be entertaining, but you don't ever expect him to win a legitimate fucking belt, right? And... I don't want to see LA Knight here. I want him going for the NXT title, the top title. That's where he should be going for. Not feuding over a gaudy-ass million-dollar belt that 
yeah, he's braggadocious and all that, but it just, it never, it, that doesn't fit him. That belt doesn't fit anyone other than Ted DiBiase. And I'm not exactly looking forward to the match because I don't give a shit who wins. I want LA Knight to be in the main event. I don't want him in the low card for a title that's not quote-unquote officially recognized and that honestly nobody fucking wants anyway because no one has been able to do anything with it. No one. After, you know, when Ted DiBiase was out of the ring, you know, he had that moment where, you know, Virgil's claim, one claim to fame was finally beating him for that damn thing. Didn't mean shit. Stone Cold, before he became Stone Cold, yeah, he had it. Didn't mean shit then. It, it was pointless and just pointed to the pointlessness of it because Stone Cold didn't need it. Came back years later on Ted DiBiase Jr. and it flopped because Ted DiBiase Jr. doesn't have Ted DiBiase Sr.'s ability as far as the promo and drawing attention. Sweet fucking salty Christ. Uh, and now it's back here in NXT and I still don't give a shit. There were there's other things that y'all could have done with LA Knight to, you know, build him up. I would be moving him towards the main event, not, you know, this shit. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and blend some shit together real quick because I had to skip some shit. There was a promo with what do they call themselves? The Way and Dexter Loomis. Uh, apparently Andy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis are supposed to be a thing on here, but Dexter Loomis doesn't fucking talk. And Candice LeRae is pregnant. Go the fuck home. Go home. I don't give a shit about this little stable that y'all have created because unfortunately Candice was really only slightly interesting as a baby face getting fucked over by heels. As a heel, she has less personality. How the fuck do you have less personality as a heel when you have more freedom as a heel is beyond me. But it's like her husband is such a fucking charisma vacuum that so is she. And this whole little thing with Dexter Loomis makes no sense because Dexter Loomis is also a better talent than what he's been given. He's taken a lot of losses when y'all were trying to build him up to be like this silent serial killer type gimmick, so I thought he was supposed to be like fucking Michael Myers or something. His last name is a play on Dr. Loomis, right? Yet he lost to Johnny Gargano of all the fucking people. And this whole little segment leading into this tag match, this mixed tag match with Dexter Loomis and Andy Hartwell versus, I don't know, the fucking Robert Stone brand. Is that what they call him? What in the absolute fuck is any of this? Why does it have any place in a wrestling ring? Now Andy Hartwell thinks she's Dexter because they are a thing. So naturally she has to act like him. Yeah, they won the match. I don't give a fuck. Then there's a proposal. Now, unless these two are a couple in real goddamn life, someone please explain to me why we're still doing these type of angles with people that don't have the charisma to make it interesting. 
And they even have, I mean, and I guess the twist was supposed to be the fact that Indy is the one that does the proposal. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about anything that Johnny Gargano touches. I don't understand why the fuck he's still on my screen. And I'm, I guess this is a good enough place to say this. I disagreed on Twitter when it, when it was trending where people were blaming Johnny Gargano for the quote-unquote downfall of NXT. He is not bad in the ring. He just has no fucking personality. And again, he has even less as a heel when he's trying to have personality. Because, yeah, I kind of want to punch him in the face, but not in the sense of he's actually drawing heat. It's like I want to punch you in the face so that you stop speaking in general, and making me want to turn the channel, because that's what the fuck I would do if I was watching this on regular TV. Thankfully for me, I'm watching it on Peacock, so I can just fast forward through all of his bullshit. Next segment, I actually kind of enjoyed. Um, It was Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai a interview, a joint interview or whatever, I have one problem with this. They're separated backstage. There's not quite enough heat on this yet for that to make sense. But the talking points were great. They're acknowledging the history they have. The fact that Raquel is champion. The fact that, you know, she knew what Dakota Kai had done to her previous best friend. And it should only be a matter of time. Okay, I I can follow that logic. Dakota Kai, you know, is, you know, very straightforward. In fact, you know, she owns up to her shit. Basically, she's like, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but what you're going to call me at the end of NXT TakeOver is NXT Women's Champion. I like that. Raquel Gonzalez's big name, Big Mommy Cool or whatever, is a little weird to me. I don't really think you should really make callbacks to Diesel. Okay? And I'm a Kevin Nash fan. But no. No. Don't do that. <laughs> it's weird. But I guess it has a little more flair on her. Because she's Latina. And I like how she just occasionally mixes a little bit of Spanish in there. And it doesn't even end up being like a whole sentence or a whole segment or a whole portion of a promo. She just throws in little words here and there, reminding you she's, you know, she can speak both languages. I'm okay with that. Even if she did a whole line of Spanish, probably wouldn't bother me. I like this feud. I like both wrestlers. Um, Although I will say, I think, um, I would hope Raquel Gonzalez is not getting called up right now. I don't think she's quite ready. I would like to see her get a little bit more ring time down here in NXT and a little more polished before she gets up to the main roster. And frankly, I think right now she would get lost up there. There, There's enough powerhouse women. You've got Nia Jax. You've got Rhea Ripley. You've got um, Tamina. You've got Natty. I don't really think right now Raquel Gonzalez has a place on the main roster. I think she's good and in her groove right where she's at. So I'm looking forward to the match. I can see it going either way. I lean towards I'd rather Raquel keep it for right now. But I could see the logic that Dakota Kai has never gotten to be champion. And she's been in NXT for a really long time. So she could probably use the run. 
I'm interested to see how it goes. All right, next match is in the NXT Breakout Tournament. You have Carmelo Hayes versus Duke Hudson. Um, I don't give a shit about either of the names. I happen to have been following uh, Carmelo Hayes on Instagram since a little bit before he actually got signed to WWE. I just kind of stumbled across him. And I have a weakness for eye candy. He's cute to me. Not going to lie. The whole appeal for me for him originally was the fact that he's cute as hell. But this match actually was good. And I'm going to highlight a strength that I heard here. Carmelo Hayes is the smaller of the two guys. And that was stated and and shown. So he is not overpowering a motherfucker that's probably got a solid 40 or so pounds on him and about three inches of height, give or take. You know, he's, he's, this is a big, a kind of a big guy versus a little guy match, even though the, the discrepancy isn't as huge as some of those really are. But this whole match is Duke Hudson is bigger and he's stronger. Carmelo uh, Hayes is smaller, faster. So he's going to fly when he gets the chance. But th this played up their strengths and made fucking sense. Something that I don't see very often anymore when I'm watching these wrestling programs. Normally, I get irritated because you have this five foot six motherfucker that thinks he's as big and bad as a six foot six, 330 pound motherfucker. This was not a problem in this match. And it's not to say that just because you're smaller, you can't try to fight your way from underneath. You should be fighting your way from underneath. The problem is, you know, I don't want to see a little guy powerbomb a big guy that doesn't look realistic to me. I don't give a shit how strong you're supposed to be. I don't give a shit how strong you actually are. If you are shorter than me and technically way less than me, you really shouldn't be powerbombing someone that's a solid eight to 10 inches taller than me. And I'm five foot nine. So this match worked for me because it made sense. There is a story. There is a build here. And we know, you know, now that, you know, this is, this is a tournament. So we know that there's something here. And we have Carmelo Hayes will be facing Odyssey Jones for the finals of the NXT Breakout Star or whatever the shit this crap's called. Which will be interesting because Odyssey Jones is a really big guy. Like, he's actually like a legit big man. Much bigger. Heavier. Um, and could use some work, as most of them could. But I kind of I'm interested to see how they go. Will they make Odyssey Jones, you know, win the match, which I would probably go with. Just give Carmelo Hayes a good showing in it so that he looks good in defeat because he's too damn small to be beating a 400 pounder. But this match was good and it wasn't too terribly long. I, I don't need every match on a wrestling program to go 20 minutes. I really wish all across the board 
people would figure out every match on every card is not the main event of WrestleMania or whatever your big fucking pay-per-view is. Every match doesn't need to be a pay-per-view match. Save some shit for the pay-per-view. If that other fucking channel would learn that, I might be able to actually tolerate it without ranting for fucking two hours. This is good. I like the little face-off at the end. We got, now we got something to look forward to. I might actually watch, well, I mean, I think the uh, finals of this will take place on TakeOver, so I'm going to watch. And I'm interested to see how they pull it off. And I want to see where some of these guys go. I hope, you know, even though these folks didn't win the, the tournament, I would think that they're still technically signed. So it would be nice to see, you know, some more between them and to see a little bit of, you know, a little bit more personality and see who has some promo skills. So Carmelo Hayes, Odyssey Jones, finals of the NXT breakout tournament. I'm actually okay with watching it. Now, lastly, is a the segment of the face-to-face meeting with Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross, And I'm going to spend a little time here explaining why I liked this shit. First off, I heap all this praise on Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe looks, walks, talks, and acts like a motherfucker that can beat your ass. He is everything that a lot of wrestlers are missing right now. And I don't give a fuck that he's not a muscular guy because it's not always the, the muscular guy that wins the fights. He's a big dude, though, and always has been. He speaks in his natural tone of voice, and his natural tone of voice conveys whatever emotion he wants to convey. While he has moments where he can be comical, you understand that there's always a hint of seriousness underneath it. Karrion Cross, I liked better when he was Killer Cross on the Indies when I was watching him in MLW and shit like that. Um, not that he's been booked horribly in WWE, with the exception of the weird ass loss on the main roster to Jeff Hardy for no fucking reason in like two, three minutes. But down in NXT, speaking on just that, he's been booked just fine. It's just a little hard for me to connect with him now with Scarlet and all the elaborate entrance and all that shit. And I'm like, eh. But I do also see him as a bit of a badass. I can understand him being the NXT champion. And him versus Joe is intriguing. Now, I don't expect this to, you know, their match to be a, you know, high-flying affair. These are two big guys. And Samoa Joe only pulls out a flying move, one flying move, which is why I like him as a big dude. He doesn't pull out a bunch of flying moves every single match. He's normally just beating your ass and beating you down. And then just when you think you haven't figured out, he'll go do that suicide dive through the ropes, which is I have to question how the fuck his big ass can do because it just looks like he should get caught up on the ropes every time he tries and he never does. That is some expert fucking shit. Now, the contrast and the promos here, you know, you have Karrion Cross is clearly the heel trying not to look like he's scared of Joe. And, you know, since he is a big badass, you know, he's choked Joe out and Joe's choked him the fuck out. And okay. 
this all leads to, you know, him calling security out supposedly for Joe's protection and Joe don't give not a damn fuck and the brawl is on. And I can believe that these two would brawl in a way that would go all over and break shit. Because I believe in, it, it, even if I'm a little iffy sometimes on Karen Cross, I'm not iffy on Samoa Joe. And I believe that Joe can bring that out of somebody. And the way he talks, and he doesn't ignore the fact that he's a veteran in this business. I like that he keeps calling that man young champion. I don't know. I don't even know if there's that big of a age difference between them. But I mean, Joe has been around for a really fucking long time. Probably, I guess he's probably been in the business for a solid 20 years. And we know. And even though he doesn't mention his other outside world titles, let's face it, he's got two NXT title reigns to his credit, you know, within WWE, in addition to all the the world title runs in TNA, and I think he might have had one in ROH, I don't know. I didn't really follow him in ROH, I I didn't follow much of ROH, I, I followed him here and there. But I like Samoa Joe because he is a guy that you can put in there against anybody, and you can't tell me he can't whoop their ass. When he was feuding a few years ago with Brock Lesnar, he was the perfect type of opponent for Brock that you would look at him like, I don't know if Brock can take him. Fuck the MMA bullshit, because that don't mean shit to me. Frankly, I've seen Brock Lesnar's fight in the UFC, all of his fights, or several of his fights, and none of them were that damn impressive. Not nearly as impressive as they try to make it out as. I've seen better. So, you know, even then... I looked at Samoa Joe like, okay, this this is a guy that I think should be, and he did, for the most part, in their matches, whoop Brock Lesnar's ass. I like how he can also eviscerate you on the microphone, and he sounds intelligent, but still threatening at the same goddamn time. Some people on the roster have a, you know, are very intelligent and sound very intelligent, but unfortunately can't convey the emotion to be threatening. Samoa Joe ain't one of those. And, you know, the ending of this and the last part of their brawl where they were going back through the barricade one more time, the fact that it was a struggle for them to get through that fucking barricade, like it didn't, it looked like it didn't want to break and they had to force it. I like seeing a struggle in anything wrestling related. If you are fighting, if you are brawling, if you're in the fucking ring, it should be a struggle. Everything shouldn't be so damn fluid. And the segment ends with both of them down after going through that barricade. And, you know, we know this is, you know, the title match, theoretically the main event at TakeOver. I'm ready for this match. I really kind of had wanted to watch, you know, this stuff mainly because I love me some Samoa Joe. When he's on top of things and, you know, being used right. And I think for the past several weeks I've been following, I just hadn't been watching the whole show. I think they had been using him quite well. And this is another match where I can't call who's going to win. Do you keep the belt on Karrion Cross, even though he's been up on the main roster already and is clearly still beefing with Jeff Hardy? Do you, do you keep having him do double duty or do you put it back on Joe and make him the first ever three-time NXT champion? Which I'm okay with. And Joe can work with anyone. 
Now, personally speaking, at this stage, I would not bother to try to turn him heel, whoever the fuck he works with next. I, I like this Joe, because Joe can be either or, and he's entertaining and he's believable in both roles. And I think at this point, there's no need to turn him heel, because let's face it, he's too over. He's too over with the crowd right now. There's no need to turn him heel. So even if he wins, I don't want to see him turn heel just because he's champion. Fuck that shit. I want to see him as the badass babyface champ. I'm interested to see how this all comes out. Okay, so wrapping this up. um, After watching this, I think I'm a little bit more interested in watching TakeOver this Sunday. Also, weird to me. I don't know why I haven't seen anything to indicate why they chose to do SummerSlam on Saturday and NXT on Sunday. Normally, it's the reverse. Main roster is always on Sunday and NXT is always on Saturday. I'm okay with it. Just kind of curious as the reasoning. Um, but I said I was going to address a couple of other things with the recent round of releases where everybody got all bitchy because, you know, during SmackDown, they announced a bunch of NXT releases. And here is my issue with everybody that started bitching. Who the fuck cared about any of the people that they were releasing? Like, seriously, was any of the people that got released, Bronson Reed included, were any of them moving any fucking merchandise? The only one that kind of surprised me was Bobby Fish because I figured they would do more with the members of Undisputed Era. I figured they had more story and things they could do with them, but none of those names were moving a needle. None of those names, Bronson Reed included, were going to be really that big of a loss neither one of them made any fucking impact on ratings or or merchandise or nothing like that so everybody got all worked up over that and let's face it wwe has a very bloated roster overall all the releases they've been doing over the past few months with the exception of a few were probably kind of necessary just because they need to trim the damn fat not from a monetary standpoint, but because there's so many fucking people, they don't have, even they can't do something with every talent they have on their roster. And let's face it, they have three main shows, plus 205 Live, plus main event, plus NXT UK. So actually, you can count that as four main roster shows because all those four shows have titles. And championships and shit that are defended on them. And then you have 205 Live, which was supposed to be for the Cruiserweights. And still kind of is. And then main event for whoever the fuck isn't doing shit on the main shows. Even with all of these separate shows that they are contractually obligated to air some fucking where. They have too many people and not enough time to feature them all. And that's and they don't make the mistake of every match going for 20 minutes. They do have some matches that actually end before a commercial break. So, everybody bitching about it, calm your shit. It's not unheard of for them to do releases. It They have been doing a lot more recently, but again, a lot of the people they, they cut weren't being used, with the exception of like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman on the main roster. Neither of those two make any fucking sense to me. But the rest of them, eh. And to everyone getting excited and looking like, okay, well, they're definitely all going to go over to AEW. 
can we go back to the 2003 to 2006 periods of TNA wrestling? Did none of you fans learn anything from that period of wrestling where every single person that left WWE, whether they were fired or asked for their release, went to TNA? And do y'all not recall how very quickly the WWE stars took over the top spots from the homegrown TNA talent? Do y'all not remember how easily AJ Styles got pushed to the side? And even Samoa Joe got knocked down several pegs because then Shitstain started booking him after he realized that Kurt Angle and Samoa Samoa Joe drew better than anything he'd ever written before. Then he started writing them, and then he watered Joe down. Because then it wasn't just Kurt and Joe about, you know, who was better than the other two tough motherfuckers just beating the hell out of each other, not wrestling each other. No, then they had to involve Karen Angle and do all the silly gimmicky shit. Do y'all not remember how that trend continued? Actually, beyond way beyond 2006. All of the talents that left WWE for years up until, you know, Dixie just royally fucked that company up completely and now left it as what it is now. Kurt Angle, Christian, Booker T, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, all of these names. And in Nash and Steiner's case, they were well past their prime. Booker could still go, but you could tell the whole time he was there, he didn't give a shit. Kurt Angle's pill addiction didn't do shit but get worse when he came there. Lighter schedule, sure, but less strenuous drug testing meant he could do what the fuck he wanted to do. Do y'all not remember? And then every then Hogan and Bischoff came in. Then y'all had the nasty boys there. And a fuck ton of other people that from yesteryear. And yeah, you know, Sting did some good shit there, but Sting devalued himself a lot in TNA too. As much as y'all shit on WWE for their booking of him, where he really started killing himself and it was in TNA and where he's going to ultimately kill his legacy off is in AEW at this point with the dumb shit that they have him doing. Shit that he should know better than to do. Everyone that's so excited about talents potentially moving from WWE and going over to AEW should also look at their roster too. And I don't give a shit that Tony Khan's father has more money than Vince McMahon. That is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things because ultimately every company's goal should be to make money. And a new wrestling company's goal should be to make new stars. If you're wanting to do something different than WWE is doing, make a new star because it's the one goddamn thing that Vince has forgotten how to do. He stumbles across some here and there and then, you know, Roman Reigns has become what he wanted him to become. It just a lot later than he should have. AEW has yet to create a star because it's executive vice presidents and all that shit all think that they're already stars and don't realize that no one outside of their fan base knows who the fuck any of them are. The exception of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is known outside of the AEW circle because of his TV roles and the fact that he's the only one of them that has been on mainstream American TV. Because ROH don't count. Sorry. 
Sorry, tomorrow, H fans, but unfortunately, most people don't know that Ring of Honor exists. So the Young Bucks did wrestle in Ring of Honor. Fuck cares. I, and I believe Kenny Omega did a really long time ago. Who the fuck cares? It was a horrible match, by the way. Y'all look forward to WWE's decline, and I'm also going to put out this little tidbit that I picked up somewhere from somebody's podcast that um, was would be better equipped to know this shit, but... When y'all root for WWE to fail, you do realize at this stage of our lives, you're rooting for the entire wrestling business to fail because WWE is a global brand, right? Well, if their numbers are down, everyone else's numbers go down because if nobody's watching WWE, nobody wants to watch all this other smaller shit either. And you may say to yourself, well, WWE's writing sucks and it does. And I agree with you for the most part with a few exceptions here and there. But AEW is no better. Neither is Ring of Honor. They have things that they may do better than WWE, although I can't for the life of me fucking think of one thing AEW does better, honestly. Um, hiring disgruntled employees, maybe. Um, but none of them are particularly excelling at anything, and no one is doing anything to stand out enough to truly get recognition. Sure, you can get some news articles. Oh, we can run, we can run New York. We can run. I don't know who fucking cares. If WWE's numbers are down, everyone else's numbers are going to go down at this point because no one is going to take an upstart promotion as being serious compared to WWE because that's the brand that survived what we all knew was wrestling. AEW is no higher in its ratings than TNA was at its height. Please tell me who outside of diehard fans or fans of that product knew what the fuck TNA wrestling was. Even when it was on Spike TV. The only way you would have figured it out is if you stumbled across the thing and something else was on that night. And then you would have been like, who the fuck? Why is Kurt Angle in this ripoff WWE promotion? The same thing they said about Jericho and Cody Rhodes in AEW. You know, when they... When, uh, you know, some basketball fans came over and were watching this shit. So perhaps we should stop rooting for WWE to fail because unfortunately they are the measuring stick of the business. And when they are low and falling, everybody's falling. And even if AEW is managing to sell out some arenas, that's great. Y'all still aren't really bringing in any more money than the, you definitely aren't bringing in nearly as much money as WWE is. First off, secondly, ooh, you sold out arenas. Okay, you sold out some arenas, but is your product getting real recognition? Are you bringing in new fans? And with Tony Khan's little tweet earlier about possibly bringing in fans, shut the fuck up, Tony Khan. That's the other thing that's going to shoot that company in the foot. He overpromises and underdelivers constantly, every fucking time, without fail. And as far as the rumors of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan coming in, they might move the needle for a little while. But ultimately, Tony Khan's shit booking and his executive vice president's refusal to understand that they are not the stars that they think they are will hinder them from truly making headway. If CM Punk and Dana Bryan are not coming in and taking over booking, 
they're not going to be able to move the needle enough to help. And this is assuming they both really are coming in because there's been hints. But let's face it, CM Punk has been known to troll us before. Just to, just to fuck with people's heads, he will, he will totally troll you and make you think something big is going to be happening with him in the wrestling world and he'll be doing something in acting. Something to keep in mind. I am not banking on CM Punk and Daniel Bryan to wow me. I don't think that they will make a fan such as myself who hates the general AEW product suddenly start watching it. I will catch a clip of their segments and then I'll probably hate everything else on the fucking show so it doesn't matter. If they can only spike your rating when they're on the screen but you can't get those same people that they spike the rating for to stay around to watch the other shit on your show, you need to evaluate which shit's on your show. Now, I watched this NXT episode tonight, and this one I liked. I had parts that I didn't like, and I'm going to bury what I don't like. I don't give WWE any more passes than I do AEW. I'm going to call out your bad shit as well as your good. And they had some truly awful shit on there. That that hit row shit is horrid to me, and it needs to go away. That whole fucking faction and the whole uh, whatever the fuck the other faction they're fighting with name is, because I can't remember what it is or I can't remember how to pronounce it, all of that shit needs to get off my damn screen. And go far, far away. But like it or not, there is a reason that WWE has been around so long. And let's face it, Vince McMahon has roughly 40 or 50 years of experience on Tony Khan. In wrestling. So I don't give a shit that his dad is worth more money and he can afford to pay all these contracts. I don't even give a shit about the report I just saw where Conan says that Dean Malenko, Mark Henry, and some fucking body else was sitting around burying WWE at something that he was at at AEW backstage. Great. Y'all all buried your former employers for not doing something with you that, they, that you wanted them to do. Dean Malenko had been a producer for 19 years, and apparently all of a sudden he hated being there for 19 years. But you stuck the fuck around for 19 years even when there were other promotions to go to. Let's just face it. You wanted to go hit up the money mark too, sir. Don't get all holier than thou now. Mark Henry, I'm actually disappointed in. Um, okay, so you had things that you wanted to do in wrestling. So Vince or whoever didn't see, you know, a need for you to come in as a coach or whatever, I guess. Or maybe they didn't offer you enough money. That's unclear to us as to why he chose AEW to sign with AEW all of a sudden over WWE. And Big Show, too. Okay, they said that they weren't going to use you in a big role anymore. Motherfucker, you old. And it's time to make room for the new blood. And you're not doing anything in AEW better than what you were doing in WWE. So shut the fuck up. Just saying. I don't see a... a I don't see what any of those three are really adding to the company at this point if all they are doing is sitting around hyping up the money mark's head, making him think that he's just so much better of a boss than Vince McMahon. He might be nicer. He might be more approachable. Does that mean that he knows business better? Can Because let's face it, his daddy has more money, not him. And doesn't he run a soccer team over in England that he's constantly getting bashed for? Answer that is yes. Go look on any of the forums that talk about this soccer shit and you will see them over in England bashing the fuck out of Tony Khan for his running of that team. And he ain't doing so well with his NFL team down there in Florida either. I don't even follow sports and I hear all the shit. 
I'm just saying, calm y'all shit. I'm not, I don't see Tony Khan as the savior. I honestly see him as a hypocrite because he's really not any better than Vince McMahon in any stretch of the imagination. They both Republican fuckwits. Hell, why are y'all so hyped on following him? And then in his effort to try to do all that he's doing, he's letting shit slip between the cracks. So that whole Max Caster and his controversial rap thing, and now Tony Khan steps in saying, oh, I'm going to have to start editing this show too. Bitch, you got three goddamn shows, and now you're going to edit all of them by your damn self? When you want your company to be this big, you need to be able to trust the other people around. So... And apparently your executive vice presidents don't actually help with writing your shows. The fuck do they do then? Other than sign their friends to contracts. I don't know. That's just my little two cents worth on all of that that I keep hearing in the rumor mill. So I'm going to watch SummerSlam and take over this weekend. I might even tune in to SmackDown. Hell, for shits and giggles, I might go back and watch and review Raw too. Just give y'all a solid week worth of wrestling reviews. Now, before anybody asks me, am I going to go watch Rampage? Fuck no. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take that back. I might watch Rampage. I want to see what the big shocking surprise is. If, and if CM Punk does show up, I want to see how good the damn segment turns out to be. So you know what? I'll do y'all a favor. I'll go ahead and watch Rampage when it comes up on the motherfucking uh, TNT app so that I can... Uh, watch it without having to sit through all the bullshit that I don't like. So I'm not going to watch the first one. I'm not going to go back and review that one. But I'll watch this week's. I'll watch that. I'll watch SmackDown. I'll go back and watch Raw. Then I'll watch SummerSlam and TakeOver. And we'll see how I'm feeling about all these wrestling things by the end of it. And let's see if any of this shit makes me want to watch any of these shows on a regular basis. Or if I'm going to go back to being the Laps fan that I normally am in the you know, have other shit to talk about on these podcasts. Anyway, y'all know the drill at this point because I'm wrapping this up. So if y'all have feedback, go ahead and hit me here on Anchor. You can send me a voice clip if you just want me to hear your voice and you rant about whatever you disagree with or agree with, by the way. Or you can send it to me on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Draco's Den or on my website, dracosden.com. Leave me some feedback. Let me know how y'all are feeling about these wrestling events or previous shows i need all the feedback and um, that being said uh, i know the delta variant is kicking ass in several areas right now so i hope everybody is being safe whether you're vaccinated or not wearing your damn mask when you're out in public and doing your part to keep everyone else safe as well i will talk to you guys on the next show Ooh.